Welcome to the Mile High Fight Show, the podcast where we break down the latest in the fighting world. And, you know, super pumped to get into today's show. We got a ton of stuff to talk about. How are you today, Enrique? Dude, I'm so good. I'm so excited. Um, just got tons of fight news, like tons of fight news to talk about. I'm so hyped for it. Absolutely. It's a busy time in, in the fighting world, especially in the UFC. Um, so some of our news stories here, Nate Diaz versus Kamzat Kamea announced for UFC 279 main event. That is going to be an absolute banger. Um, I think that, well, I say banger. It's got the names. But and obviously, you know more than I do with this, so I'm interested to hear your take. But I think Kamzat's probably gonna just destroy Nate. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I, I may have more, uh, I may have watched more fights and have looked into it a little bit more than you have. But um, sometimes when you're right, you're right, Ryan. Um, <laughs> but no matter what. I promise you, I'm going to ride Nate Diaz till I die. So even though it's like a potential massacre, even though it's not necessarily worthy to be the main event of UFC 279, um, it's Nate Diaz. Uh, you know, I like, I'm just, I'm team Diaz till I motherfucking die, dude. Like, I don't care who he's fighting. I'll, I'll admit that I do. I think he's going to lose probably, but He's got that dog in him. He's got that fucking dog in him. And if, like, this is his last fight on his UFC contract, so he's going out like he always has, like a fucking gangster, dude. He's just going to take on the toughest, scariest guy. I mean, we watched that Gilbert Burns fight together, and you saw what kind of fighter Cosmont was. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a tough fight for Nate, but uh, anything's possible. You know, it, it is a fight at the end of the day. And um, just like when he fought Leon Edwards, Leon won four minutes and 30 seconds of that fight. But what happened right at the end? Nate hit him with that good old fucking one-two, stunned his ass. Obviously, Nate didn't capitalize to win, but that's why we love uh, Nate Diaz and, and Nick Diaz, for that matters. They fight to the end, and uh, they're just some gangsta-ass dudes, dude. I just, I'm, I'm glad to see Nate finally get a fight so he can end his UFC contract and ride off into the sunset, go box Jake Paul, make millions of dollars, and fucking be cool as fuck, like always. Absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, no matter the result, we'll at least get the style and the uh, fireworks from a Nate Diaz fight um, in this one. And, uh, yeah, it'll be really fun to watch. You know, I think that, like you said, especially those Diaz brothers, their, like, number one trait is the fact that they can hang in there. And just, they just, like, they got that dog in, like you said. They got that dog in. And, like, I mean, you think about the um, Conor McGregor fights with Nate Diaz and just the how both of them were just destroyed already. And they were just they just kept going. And that stuff is so crazy to watch. And I think we have a potential for that here um, with the power of Kamzat. And, um, you know, I think he could really beat him up, but we've seen Nate Diaz uh, survive it before and just keep walking. So, um, yeah, I mean, who knows? But uh, like you said, hopefully he gets to uh, walk out on the, uh, you know, or walk out in the sunset there. But my question for you specifically regarding that was, do you think he stays retired? I mean, I granted, I should preface by saying I don't know necessarily what he said about uh, like if he's already come out and been like, yeah, I'm retiring, I'm not coming back or whatever. But to me, 
I, I still see fights on the table when you talk about where um, Connor's career is at right now. I think that that's like a potential fight. I mean, I think there's so many matchups that I can think of in my head that I'd be like, yeah, I'd, I'd let Nate Diaz fight him. Uh, so, and do you think that he's ready to walk away? I don't think Nate's done fighting. I think Nate's done fighting in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Nate is one. Uh, I think Nate operates under his own s- sort of guidelines, um, which, like, if you go back and you kind of see the history of, um, you know, matchmaking with the Diaz brothers and negotiating contracts with Diaz brothers, notoriously, it's just been hard for the UFC to do that. Um, I don't think Nate's like the company man by any standards in regards to the UFC. Um, I think Nate wants to get the fuck out. I think that, um, like, he literally, I think he took this fight because, if I'm being honest, I think Dana and everybody was like, yeah, Nate, you don't want to, I think they wanted Nate to re-sign a contract with the UFC, and, the U, and Nate did not want to. And so the UFC said, okay, we're going to feed you to this, Cosmont's like the number three welterweight in the world, and Nate's not ranked that high, to say the least. Um, so I think this was like a ploy to feed him to the wolves, get him beat up, and then it's going to diminish the star power of Nate Diaz leaving the UFC, um, going to like a bell tour or even just boxing. I think that he's going to get out of MMA. I think he's going to start coaching MMA. And I think he's going to box. I truly think that Nate Diaz is going to box. Um, I think he's going to, dude, tell me how many people would tune in to fight or to watch Nate Diaz fight Jake Paul or one of those YouTubers. Like, Dude, I'd, I, watch that shit. I'd watch the fuck out of that shit. Um, there's also the chance that, yeah, the Connor fight does happen in boxing, you know? Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Connor versus Nate three in boxing, um, you know, that's going to play to Connor's style real well. It's going to play to Nate's style real well. Um, so, yeah, I don't think Nate's done fighting. I think he's done fighting for the UFC. Okay. I, I, th- I think that's really interesting. But uh, that brings up another question. And obviously, we have some stuff to get to, so I don't want to drone on for too long. But the the way I understand it, right, is that the UFC, in order for these fighters to go uh, do one of these boxing matches, they have to not be in a UFC contract anymore, like, because there's uh, limitations. Because wasn't that what happened with... Um, Francis Ngannou is he wanted to go box, but the UFC was like, no, you're under contract. Like, you can't. Yeah, so the way it works is um, they – so – and Conor McGregor uh, kind of changed the way things work as well because Conor essentially got Na- uh, Dana's permission and he cut Dana in on uh, being the promoter and he cut the UFC in and – so Connor made it very nice for the UFC to make money off the Floyd Mayweather thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Dana to make money off of it. But the difference being is that the UFC has to allow you to fight outside of the contract. So it's the UFC's decision on whether they want to allow you to fight out of the contract. Um, like Dana could give anybody permission. The UFC can give anybody permission to go and box. Uh, or to go do a bare knuckle or to go wrestle or go do whatever. But uh, the UFC has to give them permission. Um, unless I believe it's like a big enough um, a big enough sport change. Like, like just for a terrible example, if um, Connor wants to go play baseball 
you know, uh, there, I don't think the UFC could stop him because it's a different sport. So you're not necessarily like taking off, taking off money that the UFC could be made. And that's what Connor had threatened to, um, I believe it's actually called the Ali act, um, that, um, that protects fighters, uh, at least contract wise to go and make money outside of things. Um, as long as it doesn't necessarily pertain to them fighting in that particular sport. So, um, yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's Dana's world. We just live in it. So. Yeah. It seems that way sometimes for sure, but yeah, it's definitely interesting. So, I mean, sounds like Connor just kind of got special privileges, unfortunately, but, uh, hopefully. Yeah, I always maybe... will. Yeah, I always will. <laughs> right. Hopefully maybe those uh, special privileges will be uh, endowed to some other fighters. But at the same time, Dana probably doesn't want, um, you know, a ton of fighters quotations ruining the image of the UFC by going and losing to uh, <laughs> Jake Paul, like yeah. um, Tyron Woodley did. Yep, exactly. That's why Tyron Woodley is never going to be back in the UFC ever. Poor dude. It's terrible. All right. <laughs> So our second story here, Sean O'Malley versus uh, Peter Yan announced for UFC 280, obviously a banger of a fight. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, clearly not the main event on it, but um, I think that that's a, a logical next step for Sean O'Malley. I feel, I think it's a step up from where he was fighting in his last fight um, that it, it got disqualified. But um I think that's a reasonable. I don't think Peter Yan is like a top, top, top contender necessarily, as far as like, uh, like I don't feel like they're putting him into uh, putting Sean O'Malley into the blender. But I do think it's a reasonable step up in, um, you know, quality of fighter. Yeah, I mean, I, this is by far um, this is by far Sean O'Malley's biggest test. And I mean, Peter Yan was the champ. You know, like um, he only lost the belt to Aljamain Sterling because of. Uh, because Peter Young knee back flew on the head accidentally. Um, so I do think that Peter Young is up there in the division. Um, and, you know, I've talked to a lot of people in regards to this fight because a lot of people were surprised that this fight got uh, matched up. Um, and, yeah, I, I do think a lot of people think that Peter Young is going to win. I do not think that Peter Young is going to win. Um, I do think that Sean O'Malley has has some stuff that hasn't yet to be seen. No one's seen it. You know, the, the Cheeto Vera fight got stopped because Sean broke his ankle. Um, you know, the uh, Pedro Munoz fight stopped because of an eye poke. And so I, I haven't seen enough uh, again, of Sean against top competition to believe that he is going to lose. But I also haven't seen enough to say he's going to win. So I ultimately think that Sean just... I think he presents different problems for this weight class that a lot of 135 pounders don't present. And that's his size, his reach. Um, I would imagine he probably weighs in, uh, cause obviously he fights 135, but when he weighs in on fight night, I bet you he's pushing closer to like 150. Um, you know, where I believe Peter Jan probably only comes in at like maybe 145, you know, cause Peter Jan naturally is a smaller guy. So, um, I think there's certain things that Peter Yan has to worry about. And I think there's certain things that Sean O'Malley has to worry about, but I do think that this is going to be a war. Like I do think that it's going to be two things. It's going to be like an Israel Adesanya type fight where O'Malley stands back and pieces him up, 
or it's going to be just an all-out fucking war where Peter Jan goes in there and does not let up on any of the pressure because Peter Jan's going to come forward and Sean O'Malley's going to be kind of looking to step back and stay in his range and yeah. kind of snipe him from the outside. So I think it's going to be like a typical, a typical, like a very nice striking style um, of someone that like picks and chooses their fights. And then someone that, you know, marches down like Peter Jan does and tries to take off someone's head. So um, obviously, you know, UFC 280 is shaping up to be absolutely ridiculous. Um, I, I probably think it's going to be the card of the year almost. Um, and I, I feel like we say this every other card, but <laughs> it just really is such a dynamic card, uh, especially with, um, you know, the, the next uh, the next news story that we have after the Sean O'Malley fight. With, absolutely. Uh, yeah, with Aljamain Sterling uh, defending his bantamweight title versus TJ Dillashaw at the UFC 280 co-main event. And um, I, I know I'm, I'm stoked for this one. And I don't know how many times you've seen TJ Dillashaw fight. Um, how do you how do you feel about this fight? I know you were um, rooting for Aljo last time. Oh, yeah. And I'm still rooting for Aljo. I, I think I, I've just taken a liking to him. Uh, but, I mean, this one I think can go either way. Like you said, I'm not overly familiar with TJ Dillashaw, but I'm familiar enough um, to know that he's a real contender in that division and is going to give Sterling some trouble. Um, and especially with Sterling on top of the world right now, um, I think he has, like, Sterling's funny because, like, he's, he's kind of a weird mix between, like, sometimes he'll have humble moments and then sometimes he'll be, like, the most, um, like, self-important dude I've ever seen. So I feel like he could potentially almost get caught off guard um, and lose his belt in this fight. But... Either way, I think it's going to be an absolute banger. Um, and I'm excited to see more TJ Dillashaw. Um, and I I'm, I actually plan to do some more research before we head into this fight just because, like, you nailed it on the head. I, as a UFC fan, have just not been exposed a whole lot to him quite yet. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, he did get suspended for a real long time um, for, for steroids. So um, it is fair. And also, like... If you're gonna go look up some TJ stuff, just go back and watch the uh, the season of the Ultimate Fighter with him and Cody Garbrandt, because like that's the TJ Dillashaw that you like need to see. Like that's like fucking prime time TJ Dillashaw talking shit to Cody Garbrandt. It's fucking great. Okay. Okay. Definitely. Yeah, I need to start watching those anyways. That that show is so like all the clips I've seen are just amazing. Especially talking about, uh, you know, two more Ultimate Fighter uh, coaches there in uh, our weekly question here. Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena set to face off in UFC 277. Enrique, who wins? Um, I, I want to go with the GOAT. I want to go with the GOAT, Amanda, for sure. Because, I mean, if I had a gun to my head, I think that... Um, I, I think that I naturally would pick Amanda Nunes. Um, but I, I think that this is a, I think this is a tougher fight than I originally anticipated the first time. And that's partially because Juliana Pena came out and choked that ass out last time, which is crazy to me. So um, ultimately, I do believe that Amanda will come back. I do think that um, they call her the lioness for a reason. You know, I think that she's, 
uh, ready to get her belt back. I think that she maybe got a little comfortable, you know, like when you're the goat and you've just been knocking motherfuckers out left and right, not having a challenger, you know, she was like a plus 1100 favorite for that fight. So I think maybe she took uh, um, Juliana like a little for granted. And she came out and got surprised that Juliana was able to eat some of her punches and keep moving forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Amanda takes it, but I don't think that Juliana gives that belt up easy. Yeah, absolutely not. Especially as we saw in that first fight, and you know, for me, uh, as we've talked about, you know, in my short uh, UFC fan journey so far, there's been a few moments that have really stuck out. Uh, and like that I just keep coming back to is like almost jaw dropped moments when we watch them live. And I think, you know, one of those, I think about uh, Francis Ngannou versus Rosenstrike when he, he just like was swaying in those arms and like absolutely destroyed, like looked like an, an animal just going after and just destroying uh, this other dude. And then um, freaking, uh, what was it? Justin Gaethje versus Khabib when Khabib just destroyed that ass and then turned around and retired five seconds yeah. later. And we were both sitting there on the couch, just like slack jaw, just like, holy shit, what just happened? And then thirdly, the first fight uh, here between uh, Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena, because, you know, we talk about Amanda Nunes and she's, like you said, the goat of the, uh, you know, almost women's UFC in general, but certainly at least the women's bantamweight division. Um, and so, you know, for her to uh, be stunned like that by Juliana Pena, who I think some obviously she was a worthy contender to belt. Um, but at that point, nobody even almost considered the possibility that Amanda Nunes wouldn't win it. You know what I mean? And so seeing her uh, or seeing uh, Juliana Pena take that was uh, one of those moments for me. So I will be very excited to see the uh, second part and. I, I, you know, lean with you as well. I think Amanda Nunes is clearly the more talented fighter. And I think maybe whether it was uh, Amanda Nunes falling asleep a little bit, or if it was just Juliana Pena putting together a heck of a performance, um, she took that first fight and now Amanda Nunes has a bone to pick. So, so with that, we can move on and uh, go through our recap of last night's Blade or Blades versus Aspinall fight night. Uh, the main event there, heavyweight bout between Curtis Blades and Tom Aspinall, just a week after the Ortega versus Rodriguez main event, unfortunately ended prematurely due to Ortega's shoulder popping out of socket. Blades versus Aspinall shared a similar uh, fate, with Aspinall suffering an awful knee injury only 15 seconds into the first round. Uh, our hopes are with him for a quick recovery and a potential rescheduling of this highly anticipated battle. Though, uh, I will say... I wrote my notes here for this and then later on read an article that Curtis Blade has already came out and said uh, that he, although he feels bad and doesn't want to, like, nobody likes to win this way when people just get injured and you win by default. He does not necessarily want to wait for a uh, rematch against Aspinall uh, because he has his sights set higher and he, he has the win now. So at this point, why risk uh, you know, going down in the rankings, if you give a rematch to Aspinall and he can take you out when uh, now you have an opportunity to uh, get even closer to the belt. Yeah, no, and I and I definitely agree, um, especially, I mean, we just watched Brian Ortega's shoulder get popped out. So to, to lose another anticipated fight 
um, because of an injury is extremely shitty. It's just bad luck. It just it is the MMA god sometimes, Ryan. It, they give it and they take it away just as easy. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, and Chris Blades, he was probably going to win this fight anyways, um, just because I, he's such a high level wrestler. I believe he probably would have just took Tom down and beat that ass up. Um, and I think that Curtis Blades could win a rematch if he really wanted to. Um, sometimes Curtis Blades just is a little picky in regards to how he wants to um, operate uh, on the sliding scale of the UFC's ranking system. Um, you know, sometimes he's willing to risk that ranking and sometimes he's not. I do think that it's smart for him to move forward, um, but I don't really see how you can. Um, I think he was hoping to get the winner of the serial gun and uh, tie to Yavasa fight, um, which he, he definitely might get the winner of that. But uh, either way, you start to fight Francis Ngannou again. Francis Ngannou has already knocked out Curtis Blades twice. So it's uh, or you have to face John Jones or Steve Amiochik. So if uh, if you're asking me my opinion of Francis Ngannou, Tom Aspinall, John Jones, or Steve Amiochik, I'm probably gonna fight Tom, Tom Aspinall again. Just being honest with you, I'm not fucking fighting Francis Ngannou. So um, no fucking way. So. Uh, but, yeah, best of luck to Tom. Um, I do look forward to seeing him get back in there. I I, I have good feelings about Tom Aspinall, so I, I'd like to see him get back in there with somebody and um, duke it out again relatively soon. Absolutely. And, yeah, you hate to see it happen for him because, um, yeah, I mean, you know, a, a good fighter that's putting together a solid uh, streak there and just has an unfortunate injury. So, um, But the next uh, fight there on the card, middleweight bout between Jack Hermanson and Chris Curtis. And it was a solid, if an inspiring fight. Uh, Hermanson looked better in all three rounds to me, landing nice combos, continu uh, continuous leg kicks, and looking faster and moving with more agility than Curtis throughout the fight. Yeah, no, and I agree uh, to the fullest. This uh, fight was supposed to be between Jack Hermanson and Darren Till, but Darren Till got hurt, um, so he was not able to make the fight. Chris Curtis stepped up uh, last minute to take on Jack Hermanson. And Jack Hermanson is, is a beast. Um, he offers a lot of problems to a lot of guys in this weight division. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I would look for the UFC to rebook the Jack Hermanson versus Darren Till fight and kind of take it from there. Um, the, another fight that I can see Jack Hermanson getting into as well is... Um, if depending on the winner of the Robert Whitaker fight um, that he's got coming up with um, Marvin Vittori in Paris, uh, I can see Jack Romanson getting Robert Whitaker because I think Robert Whitaker is going to win that fight. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the only thing really to say about this fight that was um, besides, you know, that Hermanson won was the fact that uh, Chris Curtis started talking how shit to Jack Hermanson after the fight. <laughs> and then uh, he was like flipping him off the whole time, doing all kinds of crazy shit. And then later, Jack Hermanson was all nice about it. And Chris Curtis came out and said, um, he's like, why does, why does Jack got to be such a nice guy? Like now I feel stupid and regret going off on him like that. So um, yeah, shout out to Jack Hermanson. Uh, he might not be one of my favorite fighters, but... Uh, he's a solid dude, and he just keeps winning. But he should have won this fight. 
the Darren Till fight would have been much more competitive. And honestly, if Darren Till fought Jack Romanson on this card, this card would have been lights out. And this was a good card, but this card would have been lights the fuck out. So yeah. um, I definitely like to see that one get rebooked sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. That would be a huge banger for sure. Um, and yeah, like you said, I mean, this wasn't necessarily on paper like the most stacked cards, but I think a few of these fights kind of like overperformed too on top of that. So, um, but there was also a few that were on paper that looked really nice. Speaking of which, a lightweight bout between Patty Pimblett and Jordan Leavitt. Uh, Patty Pimblett gets yet another win on his record as he submits grappling specialist Jordan Leavitt in the second round in front of a London home crowd. Uh, Livet had success in the first, going for multiple takedowns and gaining top control at times, but Pimblett looked the better fighter in the second round and surprised with uh, his grappling skill to get the submission. And uh, after the fight, too, um, Patty Pimblett came out and had a nice post-fight speech, uh, you know, obviously thanking the London crowd, but then also talking about uh, his friend that unfortunately committed suicide uh, in the last week. And, uh, you know, he still had the strength to go out there and... Uh, win this fight and then he shouted out his friend at the end and uh made a really touching uh statement about mental health and uh just if anybody's struggling to find somebody to talk to and you know there's there's never anything wrong with uh you know letting someone know that something's wrong uh, and so yeah i mean obviously a great fight to uh the legend of patty pimblett grows um but then just a really touching moment after the fight as well yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, again, just to touch on what you said and what Patty said, um, anyone that's struggling with any uh, thoughts of hurting themselves or um, just struggling with depression in any shape, uh, shape form or fashion, uh, please reach out and talk to somebody. Uh, you know, Patty Pimblett got the devastating news that one of his friends had uh, killed themselves um, five hours before he had to weigh in for that fight. And um, then obviously you have to go into the fight day. You got a heavy heart and he was able to go out there and put on a dominant performance over uh, Jordan Levitt, who's an up and comer, uh, up and coming fighter himself um, with, you know, tons of skills. Um, they call that guy the monkey King. And I follow him on, I, yeah, I follow him on Instagram. Cause um, I don't know, after Jordan Levitt wins, he always like twerks. And I think it's hilarious. Um, and it's funny, um, Patty, uh, Patty and him both said that if Jordan had won, Jordan was going to twerk. And if Patty had won, Patty was going to give a shout out to the throwback gamers and hit him with a uh, Modern Warfare 2 tea bag, you know, so um, and he did, he did, he did follow up on that. Um, and so, yeah, just another another fight to add to the growing legend of Patty Pimblett. Um, I think he's a great fighter. I'm very excited to see um, as he continues to grow uh, in this lightweight division. Um, and I mean, I think I think the dude's a star. I think I really do think he's a star. So he just needs to continue to win, start fighting these top top 15 guys. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Patty's next opponent is a top 10 guy, like Dan Hooker or. Um, any of those guys, Rafael Faziv, Rafael Dos Anjos, just any of those guys at 155, I think Patty Pimblett is in the range to fight next. Fuck it. Uh, well, no, because Connor won't fight at 155. But um, yeah, if Connor was willing to fight at 155, I'd take Patty versus Connor all day, every day. 
the English versus the Irish. Yeah, <laughs> not go over well. <laughs> as long as it's in a country other than London, like just don't, or well, other than UK, just don't put it in Ireland or the UK, and it'll be fun. That'd be crazy. If you put it in the uh, in like the UK, there's gonna be riots. <laughs> no but yeah i mean like you said uh great fighter patty pimlet and you know i hate his haircut and for a while i was like bro can you just have anything that's not a bull cut please but every time he wins now i'm starting to think maybe the power comes from the bull cut there's there's a good chance ryan i'm just saying you know what you have long hair my suggestion is that you just fully go out with the patty haircut the, the bowl cut and then suddenly my power level will raise by yeah 9, yeah you'd probably be um you'd be dangerous after that bowl cut you'd be dangerous i'd have to watch how i talk to you i would never argue on any points in regards to the broncos i would never i'd be like russell wilson best quarterback ever can't even complain dude and but then i need to change my name to have alliteration too it's, it's gonna have to be like ryan rarenholtz <laughs> yeah you'd be like Righty, we could just call you righty. Yeah, yeah, so shit like that. No, but I mean that's the secret. Clearly, is the bull cut. That's that's what gives him the power. So, yeah, good for Patty on another win, and obviously, you know that heartfelt moment. Uh, and thoughts go out to his friend and their family and everybody who cared for him. So, yeah, and then uh, our next fight here on that card, light heavyweight bout between Alexander Gustafsson and Nikita Krylov. Uh, a pretty quick fight. Krylov pushed the pace from the start, landing a solid overhand right early and chasing Gustafsson around with knees and fists before hitting him with a left uh, that gave Krylov uh, the advantage and uh, he was able to take him out from there. And, you know, a really solid fight. Um, yeah, like I said, a quick one, but I think that, like, you clearly saw the skills of Krylov uh, on display. And Gustafsson, again, from my perspective, being a newer UFC fan, with not a, a ton of knowledge on every single one of these fighters. Gustafsson is a name that I know because before I even started following the UFC, he and uh, there's another guy in the light heavyweight uh, division that I'm totally blanking on right now. But there was two of them that were like the, the names at that time. Uh, for that division and he was like just a really uh big name in the light heavyweight division and that's what i know him from and then to see him in this fight uh it almost looks like a shell of himself yeah absolutely so uh Alex alexander gustafsson um had two very legendary fights one with daniel cormier and one with john jones um the, and I'm talking like very peak john jones um a lot of people think that alex won that fight um and same thing with dc um actually dc's is real cool because like whenever they show like a dc highlight they show him like flipping a dude over um and that that was alexander gustafsson like dc flipped that ass over um but i'm telling you uh the mauler that was that's his nickname alexander the mauler gustafsson um he he beat the fuck out of john jones and he beat the fuck out of daniel cormier and they were just legendary fights that um, obviously if you haven't seen them, Ryan, I definitely recommend you go do your homework on those guys. But um, yeah, the, you know, DC's retired. John Jones is still fighting, but John Jones was the youngest 
a light heavyweight champion in the world anyways. DC started fighting when he was, or DC got in the UFC in his mid-30s anyways. So, um, you know, the fact that Alexander Gustafsson has come out of retirement, because he did come out of retirement, um, you know, to get in a fight, and he obviously lost. And, yeah, I mean, it's just time for Alex to hang it up. You know, there's nothing nothing wrong with it at all. But the shots that he took from Nicola, uh, Nicola um, or Nikita, I'm sorry, um, he, he, he would have eaten those shots before and not had a problem. But um, now just Father Time has caught up with him a little bit. And it's just time to hang it up. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's had a Hall of Fame career. He has two Hall of Fame fights already inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame, the John Jones and the uh, Daniel Cormier fight. And, um, yeah, I mean, he literally knocked out Glover Teixeira. Um, that's another great highlight as well. He, like, hit Glover with, like, six uppercuts just back to back to back. Like, Glover just was not blocking uppercuts. And he just, boom, 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 just pressed the Y button over and over again on that ass. And um, just knocked out Glover clean as fuck. Knocked, knocked out Glover clean as fuck in his hometown. And then jumped down on one knee and asked his longtime girlfriend to marry him in the middle of boxing. And then he retired. So, um, unfortunately, he's going to have to decide what he wants to do in the next steps of his career. But um, my advice would be to hang him up and go enjoy that, um, that wife that you have and enjoy that UFC money, baby. Yeah, absolutely. Respect to a legend. And, yeah, I mean, like I said, me lacking in knowledge – of his overall career even i could tell watching this fight that you could tell it's he used to be better than he was and it, he was just not the same fighter um at that point so yeah i mean we'll have to see you know when exactly he retires but whenever it is uh congratulations to him and then the next fight here women's flyweight bout between molly mccann and hannah goldie another quickie ending in the first round goldie and mccann exchanged strikes both showing some good defensive ability before McCann landed a right that stumbled Goldie and followed up with a spinning elbow combo to end it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a really nice performance for McCann there. Um, and both of them showing off some nice defense, like I said. Um, but in the end, McCann able to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I this was one of the fights I was looking forward to as well. Um, just because, I mean, Molly really is like just a very – just a very violent um, woman fighter, um, and then even more so, she like is buddies with Patty. So you know, if you're rooting for Patty, you almost got to root for meat, Meatball Molly. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I just love I love to see women that fight with such violence. Just and I'm not saying that uh, most UFC fights or most UFC women's fights are a little lackluster, but there there is times where. Um, it's just very strategic, you know, very, um, I guess, how would you call it? Like, mm, almost like point fighting, you know, they're just trying to win on the scorecard, outstrike the opponent and stuff like that. Not Molly McCann. She just goes in there and lays it all the fuck out and again, gets it done in the, in the first round with, uh, some violent strikes and that spinning elbow was vicious. Yeah, it was. That was really fun to watch. and uh, It would have been the cherry on top if that's what finished it. She had to throw a few more punches in there to get it. But, yeah, that was, that was a heck of an elbow. 
Um, and then our next and final fight on the main card there uh, for this fight night, light heavyweight bout between Paul Craig and Volkan Ostemir. Uh, a nice back and forth striking match. The two traded a healthy variety of strikes with Ozdemir landing multiple knockdowns and letting Craig return to his feet. Ozdemir put it, uh, put forth enough in all three rounds to get the unanimous decision. Yeah, I thought this fight went the exact way I thought it was going to when I saw that these guys got uh, matched up together. Um, Volkan Ozdemir is another former title challenger uh, who got that ass beat by Daniel Cormier. Um, but, you know, Volkan has a lot of power in his hands. Um, he's a good fighter, and Paul Craig is uh, a guy that's been in the UFC that I've watched for a long time now. Um, and you know, he has like his up and his ups and downs, just like everybody does. But um, it really seems like with Paul Craig, who like win two fights and lose three fights and win two fights and win a fight and then lose a fight. And um, you know, I'm I'm hoping that Paul Craig can you know get back in there and rebound. Um, and then we'll see what happens with Volkan. Um, I don't necessarily know. Off the top of my head, I don't have the light heavyweight uh, picture, like, entirely. So we'll just have to see kind of what's going on with Vulcan. Actually, why don't you just pair Vulcan Ozdemir with uh, Nikita, Nikita Krulov? And then you just, you just call it good. You know, I'd I, I like to see that fight. That would be a fun one. Um, but, yeah, shout out to No Time Vulcan Ozdemir for uh, getting that unanimous decision. Absolutely. And, you know, a solid enough fight to uh, start off the card there. Um, but with that, that's going to do it for a recap there. And we can move on to our UFC 277 preview coming up this next weekend. Uh, obviously, the first fight, the main event, we did talk about it uh, before the women's bantamweight championship bout between Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes, their second meeting. Obviously, Amanda Nunes trying to, uh, you know, come back after losing that first fight and you know, two of the best female fighters in the UFC look forward to a rematch of their December 11th meeting in 2021, where Pena was able to stunningly upset Nunes, at the time, the unquestioned queen of the hill in the of women's UFC, and now looking to regain that bantamweight belt. Um, yeah, and I couldn't have put it any better. And this is, um, this is one of the most highly anticipated rematches that I could ever think of, besides like maybe Connor and Nate too. Um, like Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunez really do not like each other. The things that you know Juliana Pena said to Amanda Nunez is crazy, crazy, like straight talking shit. Like it's crazy, and the th and I think that's why like Juliana Pena has grown on me just a little bit. She just has no fucking no regard for Amanda Nunez's goat status or her double belt, her double champ champ stuff. Julian Penn doesn't give a fuck about it. Like, just did not give a fuck about it. Did not give a fuck about it before that fight. Definitely didn't give a fuck about it during that fight. And she definitely does not give a fuck about it now. So, um, yeah, all in all, I'm, I'm just stoked to see this rematch. I'm, uh, I'm hoping that the, the GOAT can get her belt back and we can go back to, um, just go back to the norm, the normal world, you know, where Amanda Nunes has two belts and, She's beating everybody's ass, and Juliana Pena doesn't fight as much. So if we can go back to that world, I think that's a world I'm comfortable living in. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but with that, we can move on to our co-main event there, the flyweight interim, or interim championship bout rather between Brandon Moreno versus Kaikara France. A former champion Brandon Moreno looks to regain at least the interim belt after losing it to 
uh, Davison Figueredo, where Kai Kara France looks to continue his run toward a belt of his own, coming off wins against Askar Askarov and former champ Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. This is the second time these guys have uh, faced off. They already faced off once before when um, when Brandon Moreno got back into the UFC and uh, Brandon Moreno ended up winning and uh, went on to fight Davidson Figueroa three fucking times. Um, and that's partially why this fight didn't get, um, or the Figueroa and Moreno fight didn't get put back together was because Figgy does not want to fight Brandon Moreno anymore. Um, he's kind of over fighting Brandon Moreno. He feels like he's, you know, He's two to one in regards to beating him, which I mean, the last one was a complete robbery because Brandon Moreno did win that fight. Like, I don't, I don't, I won't get into it too hard, but he did win that fight. Um, and yeah, Kai Carter France has been on a rise. He's if Kai Carter France is able to get this interim belt, then that means City Kickboxing has three champions. Okay, that would be Israel Adesanya, Alexander Volkanovsky. And Kai Kara France, which when you start talking about gyms and levels of dominance, like you think of, um, you think of like AT and T back in the day. You think of um, like uh, where does fucking Gaethje fight out of with Trevor uh, Trevor Whitman? Um, so him, I was trying to think of too. I can remember. Yeah, I just can't. I can't think of their gym name. Um, Onyx. I think it's called Onyx Labs. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so you have Geishi, Usman, Rose, and at, at one time, you know, Rose and um, uh, Usman had belts, and Geishi was working on getting one. Now you have two established uh, champs, Israel and Volk, and then you have Kai Kara France, who's trying to come in there and uh, be the, the younger and lighter guy to come in there and win a belt. So if that happens, I mean, city kickboxing is by far the, the place to be to. Um, to become an MMA fighter. And, um, yeah, I mean, I would, I'd just love to see it for the pure, um, for that end of it. But, um, I got to rock with my boy, Brandon Moreno, you know, I got to, the bloodline runs through, uh, Brandon Moreno, you know, him being from Mexico, um, me being, uh, part Mexican. So got to rock with my boy, Brandon Moreno. And, um, yeah, I'm hoping that Brandon Moreno could get that interim, and then Figueroa has to fight him again, um, regardless of what Figgy wants to do or not. All right, just give him no choice. Yeah, and no I, choice. I think that's probably the most likely, um, you know, outcome here. Brandon Moreno, obviously, like we said, already been a former champion. Um, he's been there before, and uh, probably hungry to get it back after losing it, like right after getting it too. Uh, which, like, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I missed that he lost that belt, like just straight up. I, I thought he still had the belt, Brandon Moreno. Um, but yeah, he, cause what it's been, I might have to check the dates, but it's been like less than a six month span that he got it and then lost it. Right. Um, yeah, I think he got it. And then like literally the next fight was against, uh, Figueroa again and he lost it. But I'm telling you, if you go back and watch that third fight, I think Moreno really did win that fight. I don't, I truthfully, I can't even tell you how they gave it to Figueroa, but they did. So sometimes it just be like that. It do be like that. So our next fight on the card here, heavyweight bout between Derek Lewis and Sergey Pavlovich. 
Uh, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis, steps into the octagon once again to face a younger upcoming, uh, well, I say younger, he's 30, uh, upcoming opponent in uh, Sergei Pavlovich, a nice grappler with heavy hands, who is three and one in his UFC career so far, with all three wins coming by knockout or TKO. And uh, Derek Lewis, on the other hand, is coming off a loss to Tai Tuivasa in February, looking to get his name back in the win column there. Yeah, this fight is going to be fucking bananas. Any fight with Derek Lewis in it is must-see TV. Um, And so, yeah, I think, personally, I think Derek Lewis knocks him out. Um, I I do not bet against Derek Lewis. Uh, Curtis Blades, who we talked about in the uh, main event of yesterday's card, um, has a quote saying, someone asked him if Francis Ngannou or Derek Lewis hits harder. And Curtis Blade said, well, with Francis, I woke up and uh, I was able to get consciousness back pretty much right away. Kind of knew what happened. I was disappointed. With Derek Lewis, I was in the fight and I woke up in the hospital. I don't remember anything that happened. So if that, uh, if that doesn't tell you who hits harder between Francis and Ghana and Derek Lewis, uh, there's no other person that I can that I could get to describe it any better. So uh, I'm going to go with Derek Lewis until Derek Lewis retires. Um, he's a great dude. He's funny. And um, he's the black beast. He has the most knockouts in UFC history. So I'm going to go with that guy every time. Very fair. Very fair. And it's crazy to me how often he fights too. And he's he's not really like, it seems like a guy that's totally driven by the whole championship thing. He just wants to beat that ass like over and over again. And I love it. Yep. Just wants to beat that ass. Uh, he fought DC. DC beat that ass. Um, and then that's when he kind of was like, yeah, I don't need to be a champion. I can make lots of money and I can fuck people up. So, and that's what he does. Shit, why not? All right. So our next fight here, a flyweight bout between Alexander Pantoja, I think, or Pantoja versus Pantoja. Alex. Is it his Pantoja? Okay. Yeah. Um, but fucking the next uh or the fight here a face-off between number four and number six in the division alex perez looks to rebound and continue his run to a title after being submitted in a title fight by davison figueredo and in 2020 that he came into with a three win streak and has since had six fights in a row canceled which is crazy uh alexander pantoja on the other hand comes into the night uh, with back-to-back wins over Manel Cape and Brandon Royval, for which he received a performance of the night bonus. Yeah, and this is these these are the fights that really um, they really get me going because this is like uh, number four and number six in the division. The you know like this shit matters. Like when you're at this point in your UFC career, you need to fight the guys ahead of you. These are fighting guys ahead of you. Um, I personally think that uh, Alexander uh, Pantoja is probably going to end up winning, um, but that's also partly because I don't like Alex Perez. So um, I think Pantoja is a great fighter, and I, I, I love Brandon Royval, and you know Pantoja did beat Brandon Royval. I think Brandon Royval could be a potential contender in this division, and Pantoja has already shown that he can hang with guys like that, um, where... Um, truthfully, I think Alex Perez got that title shot by the fucking luck of luck. Um, you know, so, 
And then, yeah, Figueroa came in there, beat that ass, and choked him out right away. It was quite embarrassing, actually. Um, Figueroa looked like a heavyweight against Alex Perez. It was fucking crazy how much, how big and scary Figueroa looked against Alex Perez. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Pantoja on this one. Absolutely. Figueroa is such a freaking dude. I, I love that, too, we're talking about uh, Figueroa and he's not even on the card, but we're talking about him for multiple fights because he has such a presence in that flyweight division um, that he's had, like, he's relevant in <laughs> multiple of these fighters' recent history. Um, so, yeah, overall, I mean, I think we've learned that the flyweight uh, division, for one, is packed as hell, and this uh, UFC 277 has some nice flyweight bouts on it. So our next and final fight on the UFC 277 main card a light heavyweight bout between Magomed Ankaleyev versus Anthony Smith. Uh, it looks to be a solid bout between two very solid fighters to open the card. Anthony Smith is coming off a three-minute streak to face the powerhouse Magomed Ankaleyev, who came into the UFC in 2018 and lost in his first fight, but not since, racking up a 17-1 and record, which is absurd. It is crazy. Um, and, okay, so let me tell you this now. So when I watched Alexander Volkanovsky came up, he, you know, just got into the UFC, started winning against some primetime guys. Um, but there was one fight when Volk fought Chad Mendez and knocked out Chad Mendez that I knew that Volk was going to be the fucking man. Like, I didn't necessarily know he was going to become the goat of the featherweight division, but I knew that Volk was going to be the man. And this is that fight for Mago Head and Kalayov. If Anthony Smith is a game fighter, he, he, he's one of the best dudes in the UFC, first and foremost. He is a great person in and out of the octagon. Um, I love Anthony Lionheart Smith. Um, he's just a solid, solid dude. Uh, he's got cool tattoos, which is even cooler, uh, but he's a great dude, very well-spoken. There's a lot of UFC commentary on the side. Um, just a great dude. Just a fucking great dude. Trains here in Denver um, over at the East... Uh, I think it's Easton Training Center now, um, but he was previously with um, with someone else, also here in Denver. But uh, anyways, uh, if Ankalayov can get a win over Anthony Smith, then that's really going to propel Ankalayov uh, into starting the fight, these top 10 guys, these top 15 guys. I think he might be in the top 15 already. So with him beating a name like Anthony Smith and a talent like Anthony Smith, it could really propel him into, um, you know, like contender status, which ultimately that's, that's what you're doing it for unless you're Derek Lewis. You're doing it to become a contender and to become a champion and to fight for a championship belt. Um, and I think with a win over Anthony Smith, he gets closer and closer to that. Uh, and the same thing with Anthony Smith. I think Anthony Smith, um, who obviously he's um, on a three-win fight streak right now, um, which is great. But now, once you start, you know, getting on those four or five fight win streaks, you have to fight dangerous guys. And Mago Head and Kalaf is a uh, it's a it's a dangerous fight for Anthony Smith. You know, Glover Teixeira literally knocked out Anthony Smith's teeth in their fight. Like Dang. Anthony Smith was spitting out his teeth in that fight. Um, that man got some new veneers. Boys, chilling. Got some new teeth. Like that UFC insurance takes care of you, I guess. 
and uh, he's looking to put his teeth back on the line against Enko Ioff. And you better make sure that you bring that mouth guard this time, Anthony Smith, because Enko Ioff has some pop in those punches. Yeah, absolutely. He's got some power for sure. And, yeah, that's going to be a really fun one. And I, I like that um, it's the opener for the main card, but it, it has real stakes and real, uh, you know, potential. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, this UFC 277 looks like it's going to be super fun. Uh, can't wait to watch it and, uh, you know, obviously talk about it afterwards and we'll recap it and uh, see who won. So I think that is going to do it for us today. Thank you so much to everyone that listens. And this has been the Mile High Fight Show.